Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Pagan's Witchy Corner. My name is Pagan, and uh, it's been a minute since we chatted because, you know, I, I had some stuff going on and I couldn't get an episode out in time. And so I had to do some rescheduling and all that good stuff. But I'm back and I'm back with a really awesome guest who I'm super excited to talk with you all about their book. And that is Steel Alexandra Doris. And the book is Spirits, Seers, and Seances, Victorian Spiritualism and Magic of the Su and the Supernatural. It was such a good book, but still welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on. And I hope I didn't butcher your last name. I'm terrible with people's last names. I butcher everybody's. <laughs> oh, no, Doris. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay, cool. <laughs> Um, the book was absolutely fantastic. It was like a combination of um, getting to listen to a witchcraft book because I, I also got it an audible so I could, you know, read it um, very quickly and get through it as um, well as my neurodivergent brain would understand. Um, but the book is also beautiful if you want a hard copy of it. Um, but yeah, the book was fantastic. It was like getting to read a witchcraft book mixed with a history book mixed with uh, like a, a spot of literature it was so fantastic and it was just oh I loved every second of it <laughs> thank you thank you so much yeah I was trying to bring a lot of different sort of angles to the material and so it was it was sort of a complicated process kind of editing it down to its final form because there were so many different angles I was approaching things from but but yeah but it's great to hear that people have been a lot of people have been enjoying it so that's been great I, I mean, the coolest thing about it was I didn't realize how much spiritualism had impacted a lot of the literary world. Uh, that was really cool for me. You know, as somebody with an English degree, I was like, I didn't know that, especially about like Arthur Conan Doyle. I had no idea he was a spiritualist. No clue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, anybody who's a Sherlock Holmes fan, um, Arthur Conan Doyle was apparently a spiritualist and very big into it and wrote two books about it. Um, which you, you'll read all about that in the book once you read the book. But the book was so good and so fantastic. And it touched on so many of the things that I think when it comes to spirit communication and how we do, I guess you could say modern mediumship, uh, some of those mm -hmm. things kind of get overlooked a little bit in you know, terms of like automatic writing and automatic drawing. A lot of people want to immediately reach for channeling or they want to reach for modern devices such as like spirit boxes and those kinds of things. And I think that those older techniques kind of are overlooked. What do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely think, yeah, it's interesting. The book, one of my, one of the sort of seeds for the book was actually when I was teaching, I was teaching a class, I'm a grad student, so I was teaching um, an English lit class about the influence of Victorian spiritualism on the genre of the Victorian ghost story, because as I write about in the book, the Victorians adored ghost stories. It was like mm -hmm. the heyday of the ghost story. Um, and so I was talking to my class about some of the techniques, you know, it was sort of a cultural background and some of the techniques that the spiritualists were using. And one of the students in the class who I think was sort of had her own kind of interest in like Wicca and, you know, modern kind of alternative spiritualities, she was saying like, some of this is like quite similar to what I've heard people, you know, talk about now, you know, there, it was just, it was one of those really interesting moments where I think like, you know, the past seemed like on one hand, it seemed so similar to what we do now. And on the other hand, obviously so different in so many other ways. And so I think part of what I was trying to capture with the book was, you know, 
so many things have changed, but so many of the sort of core principles and practices are still there. And with automatic writing in particular, I think something that was really interesting to me when I was doing research specifically on automatic writing um, is really, you know, there's a lot of conversations now around like spirit boards. A lot of people have very strong feelings about spirit boards. But <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they sure do. Um, but when I was researching kind of the history of planchettes, and I actually wrote a short article about this for Llewellyn, um, uh, but um you know, the planchette really evolved. All it was, we had planchettes, basically the spiritualists were using planchettes before they were using um, spirit boards. And all it was, was a way for people to automatically write in groups. So it was originally sort of like what we would think of as the heart-shaped pointer mm -hmm. that you would use on a spirit board, uh, but it had a pencil attached to it. And so rather than using it on a board, they would just free write on paper. So basically... Um, it evolved as a way for people who were really interested in automatic writing independently, they could automatic write together in a circle. And then it was sometime, some decades after that, that the planchette sort of got repurposed. They took the pencil off and they added like a board with letters on it. That's kind of the modern spirit board that we see now. But it was really a very kind of smooth evolution from like individuals writing you know just with pens and pencils themselves automatic mm -hmm. writing for their own purposes to everyone sort of automatic writing in a circle with a planchette with a pencil and then ultimately like the spirit boards we have now and I thought it was really interesting because a lot of the people who have really strong feelings about spirit boards now don't necessarily have the same strong feelings if you told them you were going to like practice that someone's going to practice automatic writing just with a pencil and a notebook they wouldn't necessarily have such a strong reaction um, but the spirit board prompts this really strong reaction, but ultimately like one practice just grew out of the other. And it's functionally, I think, really the same idea in a lot of ways. I think that's super cool. And it was really fun reading about that different type of planchette in the book because I didn't know that that was one of the original forms of the planchette. Um, you know, I, I knew of Victorian spiritualism, but like I didn't know much. So it was really nice to kind of have like this crash course throughout the book of learning about it and learning about the history and everything and the evolution of it. Um, it was really interesting. But the I kind of like want to go see if I can hunt down one of those original style planchettes now because I'm like, you know, that would be a fun kind of thing to see if that could be done even individually. Um, yeah. And see if that would still be, you know, a viable source of spirit communication even today. Um, so I think that would be just super fascinating. I, I plan on bringing that up with my coven and be like, hey, we should try this and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and it also allowed for automatic drawing, which is something I talk yeah. about less in the book. But that was also something that there were some spiritualists who also were artists. And they were very interested in like automatic drawing and automatic painting. And that's not something that like the the spirit boards that we have now allows for at all, right? It's really just an alphabet system. So mm -hmm. yeah, so that's something else that's really cool about the pencil planchette. And, you know, I think it's so funny kind of um, seeing how there's such this visceral reaction towards spirit boards and all that, you know, that obviously comes out of, the, you know, the demonization of them through the, the, the Christian church and all that yeah. and how they're associated with very negative entities. And, you know, we see the same stuff with tarot cards and those kinds of yeah. associations. But um, it's really fun to kind of see also the origins of that, because, you know, when you think back to, for example, tarot, tarot is even mentioned in some of the original versions of the Bible. 
and fortune telling. So it's really cool, but it was so interesting kind of looking at all the different aspects throughout the book. And for me, I think that probably one of the most exciting things was how excited everybody was to talk to the dead back then (laughs) when everybody was obsessed with it and they're like like you know it's like the weekly seance party and it's like you guys just want to go sit down and talk to the dead for fun like (laughs) okay and now like you mentioned those kinds of things in modern time and people are kind of wary about that they're like i don't know and (laughs) you think back and it's like yeah that was a weekly occurrence we just did that for fun (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one of the things that really made me want to write this this specific book was when I was doing archival research for actually my like academic research, I had no idea like how prolific the spiritualists were in terms of the pamphlets and the journal articles and the I mean there were so many spiritualist publications like Medium and Daybreak, they were publishing regularly for decades. I mean, just like a Medium and Daybreak, which is one of the big spiritualist papers. I mean, massive archives, so much in there, totally unwieldy. And so when I was going through there and I was just seeing, you know, I I feel like so much of what we see now in media, when we see like Victorian spiritualism, it's all focused on like a dramatic seance at a dramatic moment in a plot. You know, like if you think about like the Penny Dreadful TV series or a lot of the um, media we have now that engages with spiritualism or Victorian spiritualism, there's frequently mm-hmm. like one dramatic seance at a key moment where something happens. Um, but for them, it really was like, it was just standard practice at the end of all of these, you know, spiritualist papers and periodicals, they would list like circles that were meeting, uh, regularly, like where, what nights they met, you know, so that you could go, um, because they were like weekly occurrences. It was like a weekly, like quilting group or something, you know? (laughs) Um, and I just never really had exposure before I started doing research to that aspect of it where it's like this regular part of people's lives um so that was something that just really made me want to write the book as well I love that and I love that it you know brings about a history that I don't think that we you know at least personally me in school I was not taught about how big the spiritualistic movement was I mean we knew of it but it was never such a big thing And then when you start looking at all of the different people and the creators and all the people that were so deeply invested in spiritualism during that time period, it's like this touched everything, everyone in their own way. And it was it I feel like it was just really overlooked. And that might be in part, you know, again, to the, you know, stigmatization of, you know, modern spiritualism. And, you know, it's like, well, we don't want to teach people about that history because, oh, we might, you know, start stirring up another spiritualist movement if we do. Yeah. (laughs) So um, out of all the different techniques in the book that you wrote about, and obviously there's a plethora of them, what would you say is the one that you could see, you know, really being revitalized from that time period? You know, obviously we still have like automatic writing and stuff like that nowadays, and we still use that, utilize that just not as frequently, but um, what would you say would probably be the one that you would like to kind of see be revisited in the modern era? That's interesting, because I can include a lot of different kinds of, um, you know, some of them are like spiritual practices and some of them are like Mm -hmm. ways to celebrate the holidays. Um, I think 
a couple people had mentioned who have read the book that they liked that I included, like how to read a standard deck of playing cards the Victorian way. Oh yeah, that was very interesting. Yeah, that was super interesting. Yeah, which I think is, it's useful. I mean, I'm pretty attached, you know, I I love Tarot, I love Tarot systems. So I'm pretty attached to Tarot, but I think the simplicity of that system is, you know, it lacks, as I say in the book, some of the like, you know, kind of psychological complexity that we now associate with Tarot. You know, we have so many Mm -hmm. books about the interpretation of Tarot, but I think it's like a fun, easy system in a way. And so I think it would be really interesting um, to see people who are really well-versed in Tarot kind of experiment with that or just hear their take on that, essentially. Um, Let's see what else. Um, I mean, I definitely like, I'm not sure these aren't really spiritual practices, but I think a lot of the... um, uh, a lot of the ways of celebrating Halloween in particular were just mm-hmm. very creative. They had to rely on a lot of DIY, like the tableau. I definitely think we need to bring back like tableau vivant in general. Right. <laughs> um, I think it just seems so fun. Um, As in like the trick or treats things with the nuts. That was pretty cool. Yeah, they have to be very DIY, you know. Which yeah. Really <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, the other thing I will say that just for me, I was really kind of like excited to include in the book was in the crystal reading. It's in the um, crystal reading section. So mm-hmm. at the end of what chapter was happy, chapter eight. Um, I was able to include like from Borderlands, which is my favorite spiritualist publication. It only ran for about four years, but it's just, I just adore it. Um, they had actual instructions for how to get started with crystal gazing. Um, and it was, it's very, I basically include it like almost verbatim in the book. You know, I make some adjustments just for the language. Um, but I, I, I was really surprised when I read it for the first time because I just felt like it was so, you know, minus the Victorian language, which I sort of smoothed out. It felt like it could be in a Llewellyn book now. <laughs> it does. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously it is because it's a book. Yeah, now it is. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so I was really excited to be able to include that um, because a lot of the other, um, you know, there, there were a lot of instructions on how to do things in a group because obviously a lot of spiritualist practice was very like collaborative, group oriented, community oriented. Um, but I was very interested in some of these like individual practices as well. And I thought that crystal gazing practice was like this sort of training of like the visual part of your mind. I found that you know, just really fascinating to have that from like 130 years ago. So That was super cool. And it was really nice to kind of see that because I don't think that crystal gazing is as a, I think as a practice as a whole, it is like talked about in an overview, but I've never seen like an in-depth thing until like your book of like, here's how you do it. Here's what you need kind of thing. Like I, and maybe it's also because I don't read a whole lot of crystal books. So if anybody listening, if there is a book out there that kind of goes into deeper detail, please let me know in the comments. I would love to know about it. Um, but from my knowledge and my experience and the books that I have read, I have not seen one that really delved deep into that. So I thought that was really interesting and fascinating. And, you know, it's cool that you were able to revitalize something that was, you know, has long been gone and bring it back into your book and, you know, kind of introduce it into the modern era. So I think that was really fascinating. My other part that I like squeed with excitement when I was reading the book was how deep uh, the investigative side and how deep you went into Jack the Ripper. Like, I love Jack the Ripper. I love all the lore about him. And um, 
this it was just so fascinating to see how it blended into the spiritualistic movement and how yeah. they were trying to use you know spiritualism and seances and you know communication to help find him yeah and i was just like oh my god that's so awesome <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely no I work on outside of this book, a lot of my academic work, I work a lot on sort of Victorian crime fiction, popular fiction, it's like detective fiction, sensation fiction. And I look at like crime in Victorian popular fiction and novels, and then also how they talk about crime, like actual crimes in the newspapers. And so that was also a lot of my kind of like other research interests leading in where I'm just so fascinated by like the 19th century was such a fascinating time for like newspapers and reporting on all kinds of things but I especially look at crime a lot crime and spiritualism are two of my big things so um being able to sort of include that and see this transition like this you know this really strong connection between how they talk about investigation like criminal investigations in the newspapers and then how the spiritualists identify themselves as investigators, you know, and they, they see themselves as like investigating the other realm. Um, and then the spiritualists are always being investigated because people are always trying to figure out, you know, people are always trying to either debunk them or prove what they're doing. So, and then also you have the spiritualists sometimes trying to actually use these different investigative methods, um, for crime, you know, to actually solve mm -hmm. crime. And all of this is happening while, um, you know, detective fiction is kind of, because, you know, detective fiction is something we get in that latter half of the 19th century. We didn't really have detective fiction as we would think of it now before then. Um, and so it's all sort of happening at the same time. And you even have all these weird connections like Doyle, you know, who is this like ardent spiritualist, but then he's the author of Sherlock Holmes. And so it's, it's really, yeah, I, I really, I got to have a lot of fun with some of the investigation like sections in the book. I think that that's, you know, such a really fun, fascinating thing to also see how, you know, throughout the book, you kind of show the also progression of spiritualism throughout that time period and um, to see how it changed and how it, you know, molded to fit the times and all that. And, and, you know, you see this investigation and it's interesting though, because you see the correlations of people trying to debunk and disprove the spiritualists um and we see that even now into modern day where you know paranormal investigators and spiritualists i, I say spiritualists loosely it's probably closer yeah. to mediums um but you see them also being debunked because people want that hard fact truth and you're trying to basically you know prove that the spirit world exists but the spirit world also is basically an, almost like an alternate dimension that you're just like, yeah, we're trying to prove it, but we're not doing a good job because we don't have all the technology to meet there yet. And so when you have those moments, they're like, no, that picture's fake. No, that voice audio is fake or that's done or you did this or, you know, and, and my heart kind of went out to all the people that were the spiritualists that were having these parties that, you know, were getting debunked or even arrested. Like, that was a thing I yeah. didn't realize was illegal. Um, you know, yeah, apparently back in that time, you could be arrested for reading cards. Who knew? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> it, it's a really fascinating thing to see how well, you know, everything has continued to progress and change, but some things still remain the same. And, you know, I think as people were still trying to find those spiritual answers out there and... I don't know. I hope one day that we can, you know, prove everything. That would be really cool. But at the same time, it would also kind of take the fun out of the mystery of it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something that's just, you know, it's interesting because for me personally, a lot of times, you know, for me, a lot of times spirituality and art, they kind of go together and they're not Mm -hmm. really a scientific thing for me, which is funny because the spiritualists who I'm writing about, they were like, we are going to use science to explain everything. Like we are going to categorize all of the spirits. Um, And so, but for the spiritualists, it was definitely like, they really saw themselves as just working on this intersection of science and religion, science and spirituality, you know, and they were so fascinated by that intersection and that intersection was really important to them. Um, And so, and that's like you say, I mean, we still have, you know, I think of all the things that I think the spiritualist movement kind of gave to us that we inherited from them which I talk about throughout the book that Mm -hmm. sense of like the value of investigation and the importance of investigation and the the centralizing of investigation um is probably you know just the most significant one that again we still see you see it less in in you know circles like Wicca or, you know, certain witchcraft circles where for people it's much more like a spiritual practice and, you know, proving or disproving is not necessarily like an important value in that practice. Um, But in, as you say, like paranormal investigative TV shows and things like that, um, that question of proof and of using technology, especially to capture proof and um, is like a really important part of like the culture that's built up around all of that. And so And that's absolutely, that's all Victorian. (laughs) That's all Victorian. (laughs) Um, You know, and kind of bringing it back to like the automatic writing thing, it it was interesting when the first time I was introduced to automatic writing was actually through a paranormal TV show. Um, I want to say it was The Hoser Files. Um, Through Cindy Kaza, the medium on the show, she used automatic writing and I believe she also does automatic drawing as well. Um, But like, I was just like, what is she doing? what you can communicate through writing that's a thing i was completely dumbfounded when i watched this whole thing and then of course i dove a little bit deeper into it and i was like oh this is an actual thing and getting to learn how important those kind of aspects were during the spiritualist movement was really fascinating as well because me i really do love the historical aspects of it and seeing how everything has evolved throughout the times and then also seeing how some things just never change and mm-hmm. how we're still able to revitalize those old skills and bring them into a modern era where they still can apply, even in a world full of technology where we have many computers attached to our hands almost 24 hours a day and yeah. <laughs> those kinds of things. So I thought that was really awesome. I mean, there's so much fascinating work throughout this and you know, bringing about the education about how especially women women who were spiritualist and how they were treated and those kinds of things throughout the book just everybody i'm going to just stop gushing about the book and tell you to go buy it and read it because it's awesome and i loved it and i will highly recommend it from now on to everyone especially if you're interested in that (laughs) so um you also are have you finished your phd or are you still working on it I'm still working on it. <laughs> oh, I feel you. I'm so sorry. You have to continue working on it. <laughs> I'm. Uh, it's been. It's been a long time coming. I'm in the final. I should be in the final few months at this point. So, um, the book was like a, you know, a massive detour from the dissertation. Um, but I'm wrapping up the dissertation hopefully quite soon. 
Um, and I am excited. I'm excited to do that. <laughs> Are there any more books in the future that you're thinking of, whether they're of this kind of variety or a fiction variety or any of those kinds of things? Um, probably. Yeah. So, um, I'm definitely, I have one or two possible nonfiction projects that I've sort of started working on, but they're not very, you know, I haven't necessarily seriously committed to them at this point. So that's fair. And then I, I definitely want to, when the dissertation is done, I definitely want to write, um, a, a historical fiction or historical fantasy set in the Victorian era. I've done all this research and normally that's something that, you know, like the process of writing historical fiction, sometimes you have so much research you have to do beforehand. Mm -hmm. It can be sort of daunting, but I've already done so much research. I'm like, it's the perfect time. Like finish the dissertation. <laughs> <laughs> and before you forget everything you've researched. Like, right? Oh God, isn't that a mood? <laughs> It's like, hey, yeah, I know you're working on this other thing, but remember that all that research you did? You might want to use it before we have to, yeah. like, put it in the backlog of things you have to try to remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I give it too many years, I'll have to read my own book to remember, like, what I So I'm going to try to avoid that and hopefully do Oh, oh, that's totally <laughs> fair. That's completely fair. Uh, so my next question is, do you have any book signings coming up? Um, maybe, maybe not, given the fact that you're, you know, knee deep in a dissertation. <laughs> um, not so far. I might be doing some, right now I'm based in, um, I'm sort of dissertating from afar. So right now I'm based in San Antonio, Texas, and there there is um, a local witchy shop that I might be having an event at. But, um, oh, cool. But uh, we shall see. I'm sort of still trying to figure out the scheduling for that. Um, but right now, no hard and fast dates or anything at this point. Okay, completely fair, completely fair. Um, I also know the world is crazy and it's hard to nail down dates for those kinds of things. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next question is, if people want to connect with you on social media, where would they be able to find you to do that? They will find me. I'm probably most active. Everywhere's a little quiet right now because of the other things I have going on, but I'm probably most active on Instagram. So my handle pretty much anywhere I am is at Stella Arcana. So S-T-E-L-E-A-R-C-A-N-A -E -A -A, uh, rather than my whole name, which is just too long. So at Stella Arcana. I'm on Instagram. I have a page on Facebook. I'm planning to be much more active on these. I would like to start putting out more videos and things like that, talking about things that I talk about in the book and other topics. Um, but there will be like a bit of a delay as I wrap up, like finally finish the dissertation. But then I'm hoping to be a lot more active. So Instagram, um, in the future, the Facebook page hopefully will be more active. Um, Twitter and I are taking a break from each other. So I have a Twitter Oh, I love Twitter. But... <laughs> Twitter and I are done. We broke up. <laughs> We're on a break, but it may become a permanent one. <laughs> so, um, but Instagram and Facebook and maybe at some point TikTok, that would be exciting. <laughs> TikTok is fun. I, I, I will admit TikTok is where I spend most of my time these days. Um, but yeah, TikTok is probably, it, it's awesome. It's difficult to get started. I will warn you there. Once yeah. you once you kind of get that learning curve and kind of figure it out a little bit, then you're just like, oh, okay. But if you're making videos on Instagram, then you should be able to, you know, transition pretty easily over to TikTok. I wasn't posting <laughs> <laughs> photos because I'm old. <laughs> 
Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. And everybody, make sure you go pick up a copy of Steele's book. There will be a link in the show description. All the links to Steele's social media will also be in the show description. Um, Just, you know, go follow, go get a copy of the book. If you are unable to afford a copy of the book, make sure you go request one at your local library. If they do not have one in stock, they will order one or find one from another library to get it to you. Um, but obviously, you know, support your local libraries because they are good for your community. They're good for the economy. They're good for everybody. Yeah. So just, you know, yeah. do that and take care of yourselves. Be kind to each other. And I will see you all next time. Bye, everyone.